Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed Right now, so many of us are filled with anxiety and fear. We don't know when life will feel somewhat normal again. And I just want like a hug and I want like to hold someone's hand. And so that feels like the most uh, clear desire. Some of us can find comfort in our loved ones, at least the ones we're able to be closer than six feet apart from. But others are really struggling with loneliness right now, just wanting human contact. I literally want to like ask one of my friends to come over and just like lay down on top of me. Like we can wear masks, like not even sex. A new study shows online dating is surging in California during this pandemic. Remember that time when we met on a dating app when we were all quarantined and we couldn't meet each other for multiple months? And then there are the couples forced apart because one of them is immunocompromised. That's probably the worst thing about all this, that I can't see you. There are also brand new couples sheltering in place together. We've been very surprised by our ability to get to know each other better and through all of this. I'm Sasha Coca, and today on the California Report magazine, dating, love, and sex in the time of coronavirus. For people who are already in a relationship, this can be a challenging time. Some couples are trying to stay safe by staying away from each other and are learning how to keep their romance alive. Hello. Hi. Hey. Can you hear me okay? That's the California Report's Sala Sanapur and her boyfriend, Larry Jerome. They're still trying to figure out this whole long distance thing. Did you get my note? I sent you a note. I did. It was a very sweet love note. I especially liked your interpretation of a heart. (laughs) I'm sorry. It looks like that. (laughs) It looks more like an apple, didn't it? It, it, Sure. I can still remember the exact moment I met Larry on our first date a little over two years ago. He was waiting for me at a corner table under a string of lights at a bar in San Francisco. President Trump's first State of the Union was playing in the background. We talked about politics, podcasts, and our grandparents. Our first conversation was so easy. I remember thinking, I could probably talk to this guy forever. We'd been dating for a few weeks when Larry told me about his Crohn's disease. It's a chronic inflammatory illness where the body attacks itself. He was diagnosed at 15 and spent the next few months in and out of hospitals, sometimes for weeks at a time. I mean, it was probably the scariest thing I've ever gone through. I just got really, really sick. I couldn't eat. I lost like 
20 pounds. It was in a lot of pain. I ended up missing the last month of school. I knew that I was really sick, but I guess I didn't really realize how sick. Luckily, Larry's now in remission, thanks to the infusion he gets every eight weeks. But the medicine suppresses his immune system, which increases his likelihood of getting sick. Something as simple as catching a cold could cause a flare-up that lands him in the hospital. He's always a little anxious about it. Like being in school and you have like a big test coming up that you're really worried about that you might fail and like all of the repercussions that would come from that. It's like feeling that all the time. But that feeling got worse as coronavirus started spreading around California. It's like multiplying my base level fear that I'm going to get sick. And just being immunocompromised like makes me so much more susceptible. The prospect of me going in the hospital right now is just probably more anxiety-inducing than normal. That anxiety he feels, I feel it too. I live with a hospital nurse, and she thinks she's probably been exposed, which means I've probably been exposed, which means I don't want to go anywhere near Larry. Since the outbreak, every single day has been an exercise in controlling my imagination. I'm trying my best not to picture him in a hospital or hooked up to a ventilator. As case numbers started to rise, I decided to pack a bag with the essentials. I'm now staying in an isolated room at my parents' house away from them, and miles away from Larry. Yeah, I mean, that's a really big adjustment, is having our relationship totally exist over phone calls. Because we've been talking, what, three times a day? It's a lot. Which is a, I feel like we do talk a lot. Yeah, we talk a lot more. I think, though, that something about this is, like, the stakes just feel a lot higher. Yeah. There's a lot more fear, and I think we just need more from each other. We need, like, a sense of safety, which is often. Like, I feel like every time I open up social media or listen to the news or anything, really. Yeah. I feel like that's also been something that's been hard for us, too. It's like, I feel like we have to actively try to find, you know, things to talk about. So, like, I'm super glad you're watching Tiger King now so we can just talk about that all the time (laughs) because there's so much to talk about. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol at Big Cat Rescue. and She is the one. It's so she's weird. The There's so many Every layers. supersedes all the zoos. She's at the top of all search. Staying connected isn't always easy. There are days when loving each other feels quieter, more subtle, where I'm just trying to encourage him to catch up on sleep and get some exercise, where he's just giving me space to process my grief over the state of the world. My first week here, he sent me and my family chocolates. And my parents reciprocated with a care package of their own. And there is a giant bag of pistachios. It's got to be at least 10 pounds of pistachios. Oh, my God. Wait, and also a huge bag of dried dates. And I'm like, this is the most Persian thing that I could think of. Is <laughs> just like, I have like my weight in pistachios and dates right now. Oh, my God. Of course <laughs> they did. And in peak cheesiness, like so cheesy I'm almost too embarrassed to say it, Larry sends me really cute gifs most mornings. Like this one, of a toddler playing fetch with some pet corgis. And last week, I sent him my favorite Bill Withers songs. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. What? 
Bill Withers song do you think feels the most like us? Um, I think Ain't No Sunshine feels like us right now. (laughs) Why Ain't No Sunshine? Well, because it's about a guy who's sad when the woman that he loves is gone or far away. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that I could be doing better to support you? Really, that's, like, the best thing is just, like, talking to you. And really, I feel like that's probably the worst thing about all of this, that I can't see you. And, yeah, and, like, also just not knowing when I'm going to be able to see you again. Having you here would be so much better. It feels ironic that staying in quarantine to protect Larry means I don't get to be with Larry. And I want to be with him, because he makes me feel better when the world is falling apart. For the California Report, I'm Asala Sanapur at my parents' house in San Mateo. So we've just heard about a couple staying apart from each other. On the other hand, there are a lot of people who are single and trying to figure out how to date during this time. Like Katrina Olson, she recently broke up with her longtime boyfriend in L.A., moved to San Francisco. So before all of this started, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to dive into the app scene, see how it goes, and then go from there. It's been kind of interesting to try and represent yourself as a person in this like two-dimensional space. I'm not really used to that. Then coronavirus hit California. Definitely all of the apps are way more active than they had ever been before. Everyone is trying to use them, trying to find a connection. I think people are a mix of bored and lonely. Including people she's not even trying to keep in touch with. There's definitely people like coming out of the woodwork right now. People, you know, men, friends as well, but a lot of men from, you know, past situations that... They're like, hey, how are you holding up? Just checking in. What's going on? <laughs> so that, that's been pretty funny to see happen as well. Katrina is a fan of the dating app Bumble. She says she's noticed a change in the kinds of responses she's been getting since people started to shelter in place. I feel like as the weeks have gone on, people are kind of settling into this new reality and people are being a little bit more open about how they're feeling. Um, But at first I was getting a lot of people, I think, trying to be funny, but it wasn't it didn't really come across as that funny to me. Like the guy she started out having a good conversation with online. And then he was like, it's a bummer that we can't meet each other. And, you know, I just said, you know, we could FaceTime or something like that. And he said, or we could be bad and you could come over. And I was like, like, I wouldn't do that even if I had actually gone on a date with you. Like, no, it's dangerous. (laughs) Not taking sheltering in place seriously, she says, is a turnoff. It actually helps weed out people that maybe I wouldn't want to spend my time with after this is over, you know? She says people on the dating scene are going to look back and laugh about this surreal time. Remember that time when we met on a dating app when we were all quarantined and we couldn't meet each other for multiple months? That was Katrina Olson sharing her adventures in online dating during a pandemic.
So now our show is going to get a little racier. So if you're listening with kids right now, you might want to turn the radio off and listen later to our California Report magazine podcast. We're going to talk more explicitly about dating and sex. KQED, the station where the California Report is produced, has gotten nearly 2,000 questions from our listeners asking about coronavirus. Some of them include things like, Is it okay to kiss or have sex with your spouse now that you're sheltering in place? And is sex or dating still a viable and safe thing to do during a pandemic? Well, to help us answer some of those questions, we're going to turn to a reporter who's made love and romance in the time of COVID-19 kind of her beat. Nastya Voinovskaya is KQED's Associate Arts and Culture Editor. Hi, Nastya. Hi, Sasha. So tell me, why did you start looking into how COVID-19 is affecting people stuck at home when it comes to romance? Well, as a single person, when the shelter-in-place orders came down, I kind of had a stark realization that I'm going to be extremely single for a long time. And I have (laughs) friends navigating all kinds of other relationship situations. I decided to ask the people what's really going on. So you talked to a lot of couples. I know it's kind of an unscientific survey, but you did learn a lot about love in the age of coronavirus. Tell us some of what you found. I mostly found that people are either stuck together or forced apart, which can be challenging in its own ways. For example, I interviewed a woman who is part of an open marriage, and she was actually in the process of getting a separation from her husband, but they're still living together. Then, of course, there's the people for whom home isn't a safe place and they're maybe sheltering in place with an abusive partner. I did meet one couple, though, who has a pretty inspiring love story. They're two queer women, and they had only been dating since February, and they decided to make the leap and shelter in place together. We've been very surprised by our ability to... I guess, get to know each other better and and through all of this. It's still going really well, um, but I think we're both also feeling a lot of stress. She actually surprised me with some flowers. (laughs) I ended up like running into the delivery guy when I was taking a walk outside and realized they were for me. And I was just so so surprised because obviously like we're sitting next to each other pretty much all day. So I definitely was not expecting that. It was like a really cute treat. Yeah, it's very adorable. I am super happy for them. So what about people who are in, you know, more casual situations, like they're just casually dating somebody or they've got a friends with benefits situation? What should they be doing? Meeting up and going to people's houses is definitely not safe right now. So there's a lot of ways that the single people out there and people in more casual situations are getting creative, whether it's planning dates on Zoom or FaceTime or maybe watching movies together at the same time. Basically, any kind of virtual hangout when physical contact isn't an option. Kind of raises a broader question about whether any of us should be having sex at all. I mean, what do medical professionals say about this? Public health officials agree that the safest sex partner right now is yourself. Um, The New York City Health Department actually issued an advisory saying as much. And the second safest sex partner is somebody that you live with. However, that's not a completely safe situation. For example, if one of the partners goes out to the grocery store, they could pick up the virus and become an asymptomatic carrier and pass it to their partner. And kissing and uh, swapping spit is kind of the easiest way to get it. So it's definitely not entirely safe right now, even with a spouse. 
Nastia, I want to take a moment here so we can just hear the voices of some Californians who are thinking a lot more about sex these days than actually having it. Producer Evan Roberts compiled voicemails from folks who were not only craving physical connection, but also real intimacy. Sex for me is kind of a hobby. Um, I'm still on apps. I'm on Tinder and Grindr. I am definitely on the apps more. I will say that. Being told not to do it makes it very difficult not to think about it. There's been moments that have crossed my mind where I've thought, God, should I just hook up with this person? I'm a polyamorous dyke, so it's been quite a shift to go from having lots of potential dates and Tinder matches to suddenly not having the option anymore. I'm, I'm being bolder in reaching out to younger men than I usually would because I don't want to be pervy, but now I figure what the hell. Everyone I've talked to seems to have a mix of feelings about it, and I'm right there with them. Maybe I'll say, you know what, a quarantine boyfriend sounds like a good harm reduction method where, you know, I'm exposing myself to one other person while we're in quarantine. And, you know, if that person seems low risk and doesn't have symptoms, I'll go ahead. I don't know. It's just to think about, you know, this long without sexual contact is a little unnerving. The fear before was like STDs and STIs. And I think now it's this virus that is dominating all forms of media. So it's taking up all of my brain space. And so the idea of letting a stranger into my home to kiss me feels absolutely insane. Um, So it feels scary. Um, Obviously with COVID, not looking to hook up with people, but dating and having conversations is a lot more interesting. And so I think there are a lot of people on the apps right now looking just for like human contact. I literally want to like ask one of my friends to come over and just like lay down on top of me. Like we can wear masks, like not even sex. Like I just, I just want to feel the, the weight of a like a man's body. Now I'll like look through Instagram and I'll see pictures of my friends who I know who I don't really find attractive. Now I'm just like, why didn't I never notice that Brandon is hot? I'm looking forward to like going to restaurants, honestly. But I'm like truly looking forward to like sitting on a patio sharing someone's cigarette and being close to them and hugging them goodbye. So my my longing is, I think, has become so much more elementary. Yeah, I'm silly horny, but I'm not, like that doesn't even feel like the want at this point. I just want like a hug and I want like to hold someone's hand. And so that feels like the most uh, clear desire. Those were voicemails compiled by radio producer Evan Roberts. And Nastia, it sounds like it's tough for people who live alone and don't have any prospect of physical contact with anybody. I would say for those folks, think about how you can be sensual and romance yourself, like run yourself a bubble bath, you know, like sexual touch isn't the only form of intimacy we can have. So it's time to get creative. And then, of course, um, there are alternatives to in-person partner sex, like there's phone sex, sexting, um, webcam stuff. And for people that don't have a person in their life that they can do that with, there are services for that available online also. And of course, sex workers, people who, who make a living in the sex industry, have to figure out how to move their work online. But it's not as easy as just signing up for a profile. It's basically like asking someone to become an Instagram influencer overnight, which if you already have an established online following, it's much easier to monetize it than someone starting completely from scratch. 
Well, I know there's a lot of concern in the sex industry about people losing their income. They were specifically excluded from the economic stimulus package passed by the federal government. Right. Like people who work as independent contractors can apply for grants or loans from the Small Business Administration. But the application has language explicitly excluding people who engage in work of a prurient sexual nature. Yeah, sex workers are just one of many workers who are facing a lot of economic uncertainty right now. Nastia, thank you so much for talking to us about sex, love, and dating in the time of coronavirus. Thank you so much for having me. Nastia Voynovskaya is KQED's Associate Arts and Culture Editor. Our next story is about a sex worker who's trying to figure out how to make a living in this new reality. Again, those of you listening with kids might want to duck out right now. My name is An Lee. I am a professional dominatrix in Los Angeles. An Lee says in-person appointments make up about two-thirds of her income. She says that's pretty typical in her line of sex work. That's the classic style of domination. It requires going to a dungeon or some kind of play space and dominating something in person. But now all that income is gone. The California Report's Ariella Markowitz checked in with An Lee to see how she's connecting with clients online. Sex workers come in all forms. An Lee is the kind where you'll really hurt the next day. I'm very grounded in physical sensations. Like, I like I like touching someone. I like hear, hearing someone make noises. I like tying people up. I love tying people up. I have one guy I've seen for many years who he, I literally just whip. She's been doing this kind of work professionally full-time for six years. When she had to cancel her in-person appointments, she wasn't sure how to translate her particular form of artistry online. Bondage is something that could just literally never happen online. The internet is flooded with a lot of sex workers in the same situation. In fact, that's where I found On Lee, on Twitter. She wrote a blog post about having to adjust to a new reality. Here's an excerpt. Now, don't get me wrong. I haven't played all week and have been absolutely itching to tear into flesh. But for the sake of our current climate, I will be abstaining until further notice. But that means working on the same platforms as sex workers who specialize in digital content. Now that everyone's on it, and I'm saying like everyone is on it, the competition I think is a lot higher and a lot of my regulars haven't been calling. Some of them just don't want to have an internet trace at all. Also, many of An's clients are older guys. They're a little bit more reticent to learning online skills, which is fine. At some point, they're going to have to learn, depending on how long this quarantine situation goes on for. And for clients who dare to venture online, An can dominate over Skype. A lot of people are making coronavirus-themed videos um, or like quarantine-type videos. I've started doing that type of content as well, just because it's timely. But she's adjusting her shtick to be more of a psychological experience. If nobody loves you, then I'm all you have, aren't I? I'm all you need, aren't I? I love laughing at people. I can have an incredibly cruel humor, and that I can do. It's not my specialty, though. Ann also does phone sex and produces fetish-themed videos to post online. 
but it's really hard to get people to pay for that content. Ann says you have to be creative and really connect with potential clients. It is kind of crappy to up and change my entire business over the course of a couple of weeks, like something that I've been building for years. And on the other hand, this is just kind of the brutal kick in the ass to make everyone be like, well, listen, now you now you have to deal with the internet. This is how you have to make your money now. A million factors are affecting people's desire to pay for sexy online content right now. Unemployment, anxiety, feeling trapped in your house all day. But since we're all physically distancing indefinitely... That's at a certain point, everyone's going to get online if they want it enough. And on Lee says, she'll be ready. For the California Report, I'm Ariella Markowitz in Long Beach. Next week on our show, audio diaries from healthcare workers who are on the front lines of this crisis. And we'll hear how their children are coping. Since both of my parents are in the medical field, they're both feeling so much stress and tension because of this COVID situation that there's just so much tension between everybody in our house. That's next week on the California Report magazine. We've been asking you to send us your stories about how you're finding joy during these tough times. We checked in with Jackie Voskamp and Joyce Kriesmer. They're 91-year-old twin sisters, both widows, and they live together and are sheltering in place in a retirement community in La Jolla. You know, we jokingly say, well, we live at the home. (laughs) As for living together, you know, we've been together our whole lives for 91 years. So it wasn't an adjustment of any kind. Continuation. Yes, just a continuation of living close, only this is really close. Jackie and Joyce have each other, but so many seniors in their retirement community are isolated. So every day at 2.30, they step out onto their balconies for a pep rally, banging on pots and colanders with wooden spoons. And so the staff gets out in the courtyard and uh, somebody screams, all right, let's hear it from the North Tower. Everybody screams and hollers and whatnot. Then, all right, let's hear it from the South Tower. South Tower, make some noise! It is so uplifting, you know, being in a small apartment on a lockdown, knowing that you cannot go outside. It just gives you a feeling that you've gone out and uh, gotten a breath of fresh air, and, and we come back in our apartment and sort of look at each other and think, well, that was fun. Are you all ready to win us today? Yeah. It just feels like... A ray of sunshine. and Well, it's a nice, wonderful way to uh, scoop up all the residents or those who participate uh, for some togetherness. And we're all in this together. And it's nice. We just get out and there and act like crazies. And uh, it's fun. 91-year-old twin sisters Jackie Voskamp and Joyce Kriesmer in La Jolla. Over the next few weeks, we plan to share more stories with you about how people are finding joy these days. How about you? 
What are you doing? Leave us a voicemail at 415-636-9801. That's 415-636-9801. Or you can send an email to calreportmag at kqed.org. You can also send us a picture if you like. That's calreportmag at kqed.org. And that's the California Report magazine for this week. Our show is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Victoria Maleon is our senior editor, and our team also includes Amanda Font, Asala Sanapur, Rob Spate, Katie McMurrin, and Ariella Markowitz. I'm Sasha Koka. Stay safe and healthy, whatever you do. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And the California Healthcare Foundation, standing with all Californians as we address the coronavirus emergency together on the web at chcf.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.